The word worthy is defined by a bunch of external things that you do and external things that you don't do. You define the worthy walk in terms of a set of behaviors that somebody prescribes for you. And if you do the right behaviors, you're worthy. And if you don't do the negative behaviors, then, then uh, you're worthy. But if you screw up, then you're not worthy. It's all externally defined. So in my background, what, what constituted being worthy was, uh, uh, well, you, you don't smoke. You know, okay, that makes you worthy. You don't smoke. And then, of course, you don't dance. And, and of course, the women don't wear dresses below their, their knees. Right, Susie? Uh, we come from the same background. And the guys don't wear mustaches because we know that God doesn't like mustaches. There's some verse somewhere in the Bible probably that says something like that. And, and, and uh, you don't go to ball games, you don't drink, and have all these kind of uh, social things, social taboos. And that makes you worthy if you just kind of do those things. And then there's certain things that you're supposed to do that make you worthy. And it's defined completely externally, and, and the result of that is this. You get a people who are obsessed with external behaviors. Some of you have been in situations like that, haven't you? Circumstances like that where there are people that are obsessed with external behaviors. The main job of the community is to police your behavior, and God becomes sort of the super behavioral policeman. And you can completely lack all the internal characteristics of the spirit. You can be devoid of love, and you can be prideful, and you can be arrogant, and you can be cruel, but as long as you do the right behaviors, you're okay. You're holy. It's all external. Yuck. And it trivializes the gospel, and it trivializes God. I used to always think it was a little bit odd, though I believed it for a while, but the God of this universe who holds every molecule in the universe in existence, the God who created all the stars is really concerned whether or not your dress is an inch above your knee. I mean, it seems like running the universe, you'd have a little bit deeper things to think about, but God's obsessed with that. And what it means is that God becomes a very shallow God where he doesn't really love people. What he loves is behavior, and if the right behavior is attached to the person, then you're in, but if the wrong behavior is attached to the person, then you're out. Which basically tells you that God doesn't give a rip about people. What he likes is behavior. Think about it. It trivializes the gospel. Social taboos. It's interesting to me that when Paul talks about the worthy walk, what comes out of his mouth is not a set of behaviors. Paul starts talking about attitudes. And the first attitude he talks about is humility. He talks about attitude. He talks about characteristics. In fact, when I think back on it over the New Testament... Paul just didn't spend a lot of time prescribing particular behavior. About the only time he ever dealt with that was when believers were having uh, struggles among themselves about what to do and what not to do. Somebody eats meat offered to idols. Another person says, no, you shouldn't eat meat offered to idols. Somebody says it's okay to drink wine. Somebody says it's not okay to drink wine. And so in those situations, Paul has to address those issues. And basically what he says is, listen, go live according to your conscience and don't go around offending people. But he didn't have a lot of time for that kind of thing. And it's not that there wasn't a lot of opportunities in the first century to do that. The first century was at least as decrepit as our culture is. There's a lot of questionable areas that Christians could have been involved in. He doesn't waste a lot of time trying to police people's behavior. What he does is he talks about internal characteristics, internal attitudes. And what he essentially is saying here, we saw this partly last week, is this. To walk the worthy walk is to... Walk in such a way, the word worthy means to balance, is to live in such a way that, the, that, that your attitudes and your character and your demeanor reflect, they balance the truth of who you are in Jesus Christ. 
What Paul is essentially saying is let your persona, let your character, let your personality, let the way you look at yourself and let the way you look at others, let it all be transformed by the truth of who you are in Jesus Christ and the worth that you've already got in Jesus Christ. Let your whole inner being be taken over by the person of Jesus Christ. Become a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And see, if you get somebody... St. Augustine one time, there's a dialogue that St. Augustine in the 5th century had. There was a monk who came up to him. And this monk, this monk was a very, um, the word that comes to mind is retentive individual, um, you know, kind of uh, just uh, tight. And, and it was concerned about, you know, what is proper for Christians to do and not to do. We want to get it all straight. You know, we want to have it all down there. And especially for monks, you know, where I have a holocaust. Is it right to, you know, do this kind of social entertainment? What about this? What about this? What about this? What about the other thing? And you can go on forever with that. Once you get into that game about what exactly is right, you know, uh, then, 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 then you, you're gone. You come up with rules upon rules and upon rules and then a bunch of rules to, to clarify the rules. So this monk came and was talking to St. Augustine, a sincere guy. St. Augustine finally just says, you know, he answers a couple of questions, well, well, maybe this, well, okay, that, you know. And then finally he says, look it. He's found in his dialogues. He says, love God with all your heart. And do whatever you want. Love God with all your heart and, 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 and do what you please. Because if you get a believer who has a passion for Jesus in their heart. If you get a believer who's really interested in becoming a prisoner for the Lord Jesus Christ, get a believer who really is concerned that their attitudes and their demeanor and the way they see themselves and the way they see other people is in conformity with Jesus Christ. Get a believer who's doing that. And I'll tell you something. You don't need to be policing them. You don't need to be coming up with rules for them. You don't need to be dictating their behavior. They've got an internal mechanism and an internal life that kind of guides them in life. And in fact... They'll come up with things on their own about what convictions they have about what they should and shouldn't do, but it's not something that I tell them. It's something that comes out of the inside. And the other thing is that it differs from person to person. And you get a believer who's interested in character and the deeper things of life, the things that really matter, and you get believers that are okay with the ambiguous things and kind of say, you know what? You work out your own salvation as the Spirit of God works in you, and I work out my salvation as the Spirit of God works in me. And if we disagree, we disagree. The last thing we need to do is change ourselves and to change God into policemen of behavior to make sure everyone's doing the worthy walk. You know what? Even if you do the worthy walk externally defined, you're not doing the worthy walk. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't improve things. What you've done is just dress up on the outside the reality that your character and your attitudes and all of that needs to be made balanced with the reality of who you are in Christ. So Paul says, live the worthy life. And the th first thing out of his mouth has to do with attitudes. And the first attitude out of his mouth, the first thing he says about the worthy walk is walk humble. Walk in humility before the Lord. You might have thought that kind of odd. Think about it. It sounds kind of strange. When I think of humility, I think of George McFry on Back to the Future. You know, somebody who's just kind of geeky, you know, somebody who doesn't have much going for him, you know, just kind of lowly. And they should be lowly because they're, they're, they don't have much going for him, you know, and, and kind of high... Uh, you know, a socially challenged person. Um, and, and, and somebody, you know, uh, somebody who's got no self-esteem and has no problems with people walking over them. Sometimes that's what we mean by humble. And that sounds, this sounds odd when Paul tells us to be humble because Paul just got through making us feel great 
about what we have. We've got all the treasures in heaven. We're redeemed. We're regenerate. We've, got, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. We're spotless before the Father. We've been given the Holy Spirit and the joy of the Holy Spirit and the life of the Holy Spirit. And that's who we truly are. That's what our true identity is. And I would have thought the first thing that would correspond to that, the first thing that would be worth that in our attitudes, that's what worthy means, the first thing that would be manifested by that would be Paul would say, therefore live confidently. Be proud of who you are in Christ. Be bold. Some take that to mean be cocky. And so you got these Christians walking around, you know, I'm the king's kid, I can claim that, you know, all that stuff. But the first word out of Paul's mouth is be humble. Yes, you are this, 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 this. It gets, he piles it up for three chapters. You are this in Christ. Therefore, be humble. And the reason is, I think, that the, that the concept of humility in the Bible is not, now follow me on this, it's not about not having something. It's about having something, but not displaying it. It's about having something, but not using it for your own self-serving purposes. It's about having something, but not looking down on others who don't have that. It's about having something, but using it in order to serve others. A person who's in poverty can't be humble about their money. Think about it. They don't have any money. <laughs> but a rich person can be humble about their money. And they're humble when they don't display it. They don't live pretentiously. They're humble when they don't look down on people who don't have money. They treat them as equals. They treat them with dignity. And they're humble when they use their resources to come underneath those who don't have finances and to help those benefit those who don't have resources. Or a person who, who doesn't have uh, exceptional intelligence can't be humble about their intelligence. They're just being real. But a person who's got an incredible intelligence can be humble about their intelligence when they don't display it, when they're not pretentious with it, when they don't show off with it, when they don't look down on people who don't have that exceptional intelligence and feel superior, and when they use the gift of their intelligence to help others, they're being humble. And so also, a person with no self-esteem, a George McFry, cannot possibly ever be humble. Because they're, they're just being real when they go around acting like a worm. <laughs> but a person who's got a lot of self-confidence and a lot of life and a lot of internal character can be humble. When that internal self-confidence does not become pride, when they don't use it to look down on other people, when they don't use it for self-serving purposes, when they use it to help others and to invest in others, they are being humble. The primary example of humility is Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 2 says this, that Jesus Christ, though he was in the form of God, though he was by very nature God, he didn't grab onto that deity-ness, that, that, that God-ness. He didn't grab onto his glory state. He didn't, he didn't just cling to it. He didn't use it for self-serving purposes. What the Lord did in a state of glory, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, was he emptied himself. He poured himself out. For a time being, he set it aside and he became a human being. He had it all. He had it all. Humility is not about not having. Humility is about having it. But the question is, what do you do with it? And Jesus Christ, the Lord of all, the God of all heaven, from eternity past to eternity future, the Lord of all glory, became a human being. That's humility. And the God who's above all is not about being born in a manure-filled stable in a manger. That's humility. And the God who's, who's, who's God above all isn't above, isn't above living a homeless life. 
And the God who's above all isn't above making lowly fishermen his disciples and loving a prostitute. That's humility. The God who's above all isn't about embracing lepers and social outcasts. That's humility. And the God who's above all isn't, isn't afraid of calling sinners like us friends and brothers and isn't afraid to go to the cross and die on the cross a shameful, hellish death. That is humility. It's not about not having. It's about having. You've got it. He had it all. He had all you could ever want. But he didn't use it to come down and judge others. Rather, he becomes a human being. He comes underneath others. And he uses what he is to transform who others are. That's what humility is. And the point I want to make this morning more than anything else is this. The spirit of Jesus Christ is the inheritance that we have within us. That same heart, the humble heart of Jesus Christ, dwells in you and dwells in me, and it is the core of the treasure that we've been given the moment we believe. That same heartbeat that has, just as God, the God who has everything, uses it to invest in others and come underneath others and serve others, so also the Lord gives us who believe everything. But he has that same heartbeat in us so that we do not walk with pride about this. Rather, we begin to replicate the life of Jesus Christ in ourselves. The humble heart is within us. It's our most precious possession. And so Paul says that when we have this glory, and all believers do, when we have this, this wonder and know how much we're loved and know, and know what God has given to us and we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in, in Christ Jesus, feel great about that. This, this worm theology where you're supposed to go around flogging your back and feeling low and I'm just a poor, miserable sinner, da 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 There's no place for that in the Bible. You ought to be rejoicing and celebrating who you are in Christ Jesus. But the first thing that that happens, first thing that happens with all that is that we don't get prideful. Or if you do, it doesn't come out of that spirit. The first thing that happens is we get humble. We're humble. As the Lord lives out his life through us. So the first word from Paul is not about behavior. The first word is, is being humble. And the first reason for that is that the life in us is the life of Jesus Christ. And Christ is humble. But there's a second thing. Second reason why humility is the first word out of, out of Paul's mouth. And that is this. That everything that I am and ever shall be, everything Joe is and ever shall be, and everything you are and ever shall be, we are because of God's grace. And that, friends, has got to humble us. I am adopted. I'm a son, a child of God. I'm filled with God's love. I'm loved with an everlasting love. I've got more worth than I could ever imagine. I, in Jesus Christ, I am just full of more life than I could ever imagine. And I, I feel good about that. I celebrate that. But I also know this, that I didn't earn that. I didn't achieve that. I had nothing to do with that. And that has got to humble me. The Bible makes it very clear that, uh, that, that apart from Jesus Christ, every person in this auditorium here this morning is a sinner. Apart from Jesus Christ, we were all on a road to destruction. Apart from Jesus Christ, we're dead in our sin, we're slaves to sin, we're lost, and we could not, would not ever earn this merit on our own. But God in his great love, willing to pay the most incredible price for us, went to the cross, what Jesus Christ did for us in humbling himself going to the cross, and it's because of what God was willing to do for us in spite of the fact that we were reprobate sinners, it's because of that and that alone and nothing else that right now we are infused with the life and the treasure of God the minute we believe. But that's why the first thing that that should create in us is a sense of humility. 
How could I ever look down on sinners? How could I ever feel better than somebody else? How could I kind of look askance at, at this person or that person when I know that we're not for the grace of God being in the exact same situation? Humility. First thing. It's not that we don't have the worth. It's that we have the worth. We have it by God's grace. And it's not just past sins either, is it? It's present sins. I don't, live out, I don't live out the worth that I have daily. I don't live it out on a moment by moment. I'm not as transformed. My attitudes aren't as transformed as they need to be. I'm not all I'm supposed to be. I need to be forgiven on a daily basis. I've always got to go back to the cross and say, Lord, do it again. I need you to do it again. And if I'm aware of that, it's not about me trying to earn worth by improving that. It's about the fact that I've got the worth, I've got the value, I've got the life, and I don't live up to it. And that doesn't affect the worth. And that's got to make me humble. That's got to break me. Not in the sense of being a worm, lowly, miserable sinner who can't even keep his tie clip on. But in the sense of saying, I've got all this value and love, and I don't, and I shun it. I walk away from it. And he still keeps coming at me. It still stays there. Humility comes not because we don't have the worth, but precisely because we've got the worth, even though we walk away from it. The final reason why humility is the first words out of Paul's life is this. It's connected to this. When I know that my worth is settled, when I know that my value is, 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 a, is a done deal, when I know that who I am in Christ is, is, doesn't depend on my behavior, it doesn't depend on anything that I do, when I know that, you know what? I can begin to be honest with my life. Because I know that my value doesn't go up when I'm good and it doesn't go down when I'm bad, which means I can be out loud with how good or how bad I am. And when I am honest, I, that is what humility is. That is, you, you can't, any person who's honest is going to be humble because you're being honest with your faults and everybody's got faults. Pride always comes out of a pathetic spirit that needs to deceive itself and to deceive others. Pride is always about trying to get a worth that you know in your heart you don't have. But if you've got the worth, if the value is there, you're freed from the petty attempts to try to get it by being proud and by displaying yourself. And when people begin to be honest, that is humility. Because you're just out loud about the faults that you have. The final thing I want to say about that is this. When you are humble, because you're honest, because your value is settled in Christ, then you're on your way to being healed. A humble person is a person who's on their way to being healed. Conversely, the Bible says that pride goes before destruction. Because the prideful person is about concealing things from themselves and concealing things from the other, hiding all the things in their life that need to be healed. The humble person can just be real with that. And being real with that is part of the process of, 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 of being healed. You know, the other, the other night... I was at a parent support group meeting for, for parents of ADHD kids. And that already is something that just, uh, you know, that, that's just an honest thing that I want to put out there. It maybe blows all stereotypes of, of, of a pastor's house. You know, you get these Amy Grant images of what a family looks like. And, 
it's the kind of family I always wanted where you sit down at the supper table and you actually have intelligent conversations and you talk about the Lord. Maybe you share a Bible verse and you pray at night and, it, it, you, know, and you get up in the morning and talk about the Lord and, and you hug a lot and you say, I love you a whole lot. And more often than that, my house looks like something that the Tasmanian devil is, is whipping around on and, 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 and uh, things, there, there's a short fuse and things are always tense and there's a lot of you know, hollering, and you say, one, two, three, about 40,000 times a day, trying. I mean it. When I get to three, you're dead, man. And my attitudes and my, my demeanor sometimes is anything but what it would be if my life was transformed according to who I am in Christ. I get so pushed to the edge of my rope sometimes and I don't know what I'm going to do. i got to walk away from the situation. I'm like, I get so mad. And I need help. And so I, 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 my wife and I are part of the support group. And we got in the support group, and I, I can't tell you how good it was to hear other people saying what the hell that they're going through. Just to be out loud about that and to be able to say what it's like. And I, I look back, and, and uh, I, I think of what I did to my parents, because, see, this is a little Greg that I'm raising here. <laughs> he drives me nuts. <laughs> but to hear other people say, you know what? I, my, my kid does that, and I do just what you do. And you're in an environment where, there's, where people are humble, because we got, we're at the point where it doesn't pay to, to try to hide this thing any longer. And you're humble, and you're honest, and you're real, and it's so healing just to say, you know what, I can go another week just knowing that I'm not the only one in the world who's got a family like this. Being humbled is to be healed. The Lord calls us to the first thing to live out our life. It's about being humble with one another. My prayer for Woodland Hills Church, and one of the greatest joys of my life is to see this begin to be, be a reality, is that this is a place where people know who they are in Christ, know the value, know the worth, know the power that you walk with, but it doesn't make you cocky. It makes you humble. And therefore, this is a place where you say it as it is. You're real with who you are. Where the, where, where the, the pain is okay to vent. Maybe not on a Sunday morning. There's too many people to do it on a Sunday morning. But a place where there are people where you can connect with in small groups and in ministries or whatever, where you can just find ears that hear and do not judge. Because they also have their issues that they're real with and are humble you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord, the Lord wants to humble you by bringing you forward. Come forward here this morning. There will be some people who want to pray with you. And the first thing that you have to do, the only thing that you have to do to receive the life of Jesus Christ in your life is to humble yourself and say, Lord, I need you. I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. You died for me. I accept that. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and let his life come into you.